Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that has listened to more Doc G shows than anyone simply because he's had to be here. Word. Dave, Burles, Berlin. Say what? That is true, mm. and I wouldn't rather be doing anything else, yes. man. Yes. Love this. Yes. I love this. Dedication. I love it. I love it. All you out there, strive to beat Dave. Listen to more shows than Dave. Try it. Do it. There you go. I dare you. Good luck. I've uh, been for like 200 of them. Yeah. Yeah, dude, we're getting uh, close. I re- like, you uh, think? I remember when you said 200 way back at the very beginning of the summer. Actually, yeah. it was a little bit yeah. earlier than that. Now we're at 190. I got to be at like 190. I was about to say at 180-ish, 190. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when we switched Let's to the freaking go. To the two weekers, we really got some going there, you know. We we pumped up those numbers. Yeah, pump the we volume. Rookie numbers. Pump up the volume. Uh, Dave, uh, speaking of that time frame, back then we did a little dream analysis on the show, and I, I had I had a pretty odd one back then that I told you about. I, I had what another one. I had another dream this week that was pretty odd that I wanted to tell you guys about. Jeez. Um, as as the listeners know, and I know you're aware, I'm a fan of the goat. That's right, Dave. You are. You are. And and Dave and listeners, listen to what I said. The GOAT. Yes! Not a GOAT. Not nope. a greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. That's right. He's not one of several. He is the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan. That's who I'm a fan of. And Hell yeah. And I and I and I and I can tell you uh, a a way I define this. A lot of people are like, how do you define this as far as the greatest of all time? If there was a magical one-on-one tournament where any player could enter at the prime of their career hmm. and you could bet on which player you thought was going to win the tournament, but the rules of that tournament are if you lose the bet, you ha- you would be killed. Wait, what? First, I would really question why the betting rules of this tournament had to be so extreme. Second, right. I would choose Michael <laughs> Jordan. That's who that's I would fact. choose. Of course. Put it on the line because that's what every game meant to him. Life or death. Every single one. So true. Anyway, mm. I got a little sidetracked. The reason I had to fully explain my fandom of Michael Jordan is because he was in my dream. Say what? So. Oh, what a great dream. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't even know what it is, but if it includes him, you know it's going to yeah, be good. Yeah, like even though, even though it was sad at the end, uh, because uh, you'll see, but um, I was still woke up like, yeah, nice. All right. Um, so, <laughs> so, anywho, uh, Michael Jordan was in this dream. And mm-hmm. he was still famous Michael Jordan with, like, all the, the gravitas of Michael Jordan. But okay. he, he wasn't actually, like, playing basketball hmm. in the dream. Like, there wasn't, like, I wasn't like he's going to a game later on today, you know? Like, he was mm-hmm. he was Michael Jordan in an office. Word. And Interesting. I was in the office with him. 
Like we were working essentially like in basically the sh- the sitcom The Office. Like that's you know, okay. except it okay. wasn't comical. Nope. We were just in a bunch of cubicles together. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, The Office and Michael Jordan, their personalities just don't no together. no no. It wasn't so. Don't don't get the comedy side. It was basically we were just working in cubicles, and so. Mm-hmm. The weird thing was, it seemed like a pretty boring job. I don't know what the job was. We were just all sitting at cubicles. But um, the interesting thing was, was apparently this was the last day of Jordan's in the office. Like he was like retiring or something from this office job. And mm-hmm. so the rumor started going around the job that Michael was retiring. We're like, oh my God, he's retiring. Oh man, he's he's retiring. And so he started telling people that he was retiring. And when he did, he started giving out like mementos and like memorabilia Sweet. to other people oh, in shoot. the office. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh man. Oh wow. Look at that. She got a framed autographed poster with a personalized note from Michael Jordan. Oh man! And so in my you were so jealous. Well, in my head, I started thinking. I'm like, Psh, no doubt, I'm the biggest Jordan fan in this in this office. There's no doubt mm-hmm. that I'm the biggest. He's gonna know that, and no doubt he's right. gonna give me some sweet Jordan swag. I can't wait. So true. So I was getting excited, and like I kept looking at these other people, and like what he was handing out I was like handing a basketball out sign, handing out like like I said these big frame posters. I was like, sweet. Sweet, and I like, I, and I knew I was like, he's saving me for last. All right, nice. It's gonna be something kick. Here we go. I'm excited. And he comes up to him and he's like, "Hey, here you go, man." And he walks off. And I look down. He just handed me a piece of a torn napkin. Wait, what? With like half of his signature on it. It wasn't like even no. his full signature. And I was like, Blam. "What? No. What? What?" And, like, you know, even in the dream, I was trying to convince myself that it had to be something special. Nope. Like, I was like, nah, it's like from, like, a special meal. Nope. This is like the one time he ate with, like, Jack Nicholson, and he saved the napkin and decided to sign the... Yeah, that's what I'll tell people. Nope. That's definitely what I'm going to tell people. This was a special meal napkin, and, like, I was trying to tell myself, like... You know what? I think I can tell that this is his signature, even though it's like half. People will know. Blam. I worked in an office with Michael Jordan. I can tell him that, right? It was very. It was a letdown, though. I even though I tried to convince myself in the back of my head, I was like, no, no, this isn't nearly as special. You just got slighted by Michael Jordan with mementos, you know? So true. And then when I looked up from the napkin, I was in a steakhouse that I apparently owned in Wyoming. It's really weird. It's really weird. And so I woke up a little sad that I got a lame parting gift from Jordan, but I was also a little stoked that I owned a steakhouse in Wyoming. That was nice. Yes. You know? Yes. No? Yeah, man. You, uh, I've had I've had similar dreams and a funny one that um, I actually hear on a podcast a lot. Um is this guy is meeting like Tiger Woods, who is his biggest idol, mm-hmm. and he's playing at Augusta National with him, mm-hmm. and so they're in this surreal environment with his favorite person, right? And 
he just can't tee it off. Oh, so yeah. he's on the tee. He puts his ball down. And he's at the tee, and he just can't wait to play the course. Mm-hmm. And then every time, he just like something freaks happened. out. Yeah. He can't play it, mm-hmm. and then he wakes up. That's a downer. every time. That's a down. Yeah, this one, like I'll be honest, I I can't remember many times that I've had Michael Jordan in a dream. You know, but yeah, mm-hmm. I do find I do find it funny how dreams can just leave you either in like a, a just a, a, a an all out feeling of jazzed in the morning, like woo, or just like a weird funk if they're bad for hours. Like if they're mm. that, it, like it's crazy how like obviously not real at all, but like if it's a great dream, you're just walking around in the morning like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Right. Life's awesome, right. man. And people are like, what's going on with you? And you're like, made out with Cindy Crawford. It was dope. Wait, what? The year was 1996, <laughs> and we totally made out. Nope. What? It happened in a dream. Shut up. It's awesome. Like, it's just mm. weird how that can can do it for you, man. You know? But anyway, yeah. I wanted to share my dream. And you know what? Even though Michael Jordan slided me, I'm still I'm still a big fan. That's a fact. It didn't it didn't stop I me appreciate from being a big that. fan. Yeah. It didn't stop me. Definitely. Don't definitely. worry. Just like I know he's a huge fan of the Doc G show. You know? Deep deep down somewhere he is. Yeah, yes. oh, he listens every every week. He he no doubt oh, yeah. like codes his IP address so I can't see. <laughs> but you know, it's him. I know it's him. Uh since since he's probably waiting for us to fire up the show, you wanna fire up the show? Mm. Let's fire it up, Doc. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Okay, man, I am excited about this show. We have got two fantastic artists that make up the band Sleeping Wolf. Steve and Jake, very excited about these guys. They got a new album coming out two days from now. Friday. Two days from now on Friday. The the 18th. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. Grayscale is the name of the album. We got him on the show. I'm going to chat about a lot of things. I'm very excited. I've noticed that Jake is a fan of growing beards. Hmm. Like he's Who he, isn't? He's not a, a a master of it yet, but he 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 wants to. He's striving to become a great beard grower. So I want to ask him a couple questions about that. Word. I'm uh, I'm. It inter- does take time. It does. It does. I I mean we both know you gotta you gotta mature. I mean he's matured, but he's gotta he's gotta cultivate the garden, if you will. You know. You know. Anyway. Very true. Very excited about talking to, uh, to him. But first, let's start where we start. Birthday suit. Let go. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you, Dave. Uh, the birthday suits this week, mm-hmm. there's only one easy one. Jeez. And there's two fairly tough ones. I'm giving you the I'm giving you the toughest first. Okay, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll warm myself up but and get the brain going. She's definitely well known. Now she's okay. not in your uh, circle of friends, Word. you know. Mm-hmm. So it might be yeah. a little bit tough, but definitely well known. So, anyways, born on September 16, nineteen seventy one, in Newton, Massachusetts. Hmm. Our birthday mm-hmm. suit wear was the daughter of two school teachers. There you go. 
Growing up, she was mm. fascinated by sketch comedians Carol Burnett and Gilda Radner. After high school, she went to Boston College for a degree in media and communications. While there, mm -hmm. she was a member of the comedy improv group My Mother's Fleabag. Wait, what? After college, she decided... Very yes, very. They're improv. you got to come up with things. Blam. Uh, after college, she decided to pursue comedy, moved to Chicago. She went to Improv Olympic and was introduced to Tina Fey, who she has worked with her entire career. She started oh, making appearance on Late Night with Conan O'Brien with small parts in their skits. In 2001, she joined Saturday Night Live after Tina Fey had tried to recruit her for years. That's right. In 2004, she started co-hosting the Weekend Update segment with Tina Fey. In 2008, she started a new show on NBC called Parks and Recreation. The show had mm. seven seasons. She wrote several episodes herself. Along with that show, she starred in many movies, including Baby Mama, Sisters, with Tina Fey. In addition, she's directed several movies and TV shows with her own production company called Paper Kite Productions. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. Man, I know it's a blonde girl. Word. It's blonde. Um, yep, blonde lady. Yep. I just, I can't think of her name. I'll give you the initials. A.P. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Amy comes to mind. Amy is correct. Uh, Amy Parker. Close. Polar. Amy Polar. Amy Polar, man. Woo! I love me some. She's a ball. She's. I think she. I find her very funny. She's pretty hilarious, man. I love Parks and Rec. She did a bang up job on that show. Like that totally, show. Totally. Like I. I was late to Parks and Rec. Um. Uh -huh. You know, I didn't watch it when it was actually new. Nope. I. I did. I yeah, did what same. the. I did what the kids say. Binge. Although I don't oh, really you streamed it. I don't binge that fast. You know, like I'm a binger yeah, yeah. of like an episode a night. You know, that's right. But you watch it every night. Yeah, exactly. Until it's done. Exactly. But you know, like just it's it's well done. That shows it's funny. There's all kinds of great just jokes in there. Fart jokes, some of my favorites. Um, Can't and, go wrong with a good fart joke. Exactly. And then on top of it, though, it leaves you with a good feeling. Every show, you're just like, oh, that's a warm feeling. I like that. It was a good ending. Made me happy. Like it's, but it's not over. It's not over cliche that you're just like, oh, it's stupid. Why do they do it that way? Right. Dumb. Right. Like very good writer. Very talented writer. Very funny. Uh, good job on uh, on weekend update. Turning the big four nine. Four nine. Dang, Amy. Yeah. Happy birthday. Almost fifty. I couldn't believe that. Like when I saw that, I was like, no. man, if you would have told me, I would have guessed seventy nine. Not 71. I would have been like, yeah, 79. I can see that. 41. Yeah, early 40s. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but almost 50. Crazy. So can't give you credit for that one. Sorry. Can't give you. You, get, you got Amy. You got Amy. And that was with an A. That was with an A. So, you know, I can't. Sorry. Sorry. It's yeah, all right. It's you all got, right. I'll you got make two up more. For it. Yeah, you got two more. Okay. Let's move on. Are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. 
Okay, I got a lot of good stories today. I'm very excited about some stories here. First, th- this right. one we we need to file under uh, stupid what? and pointless category. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember okay. the 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 story from last week about uh, mm-hmm. shopping carts, this mm-hmm. one this mm-hmm. one goes in the same category. So, All right. uh, this is from USA Today, and here's the headline. Weddings, holiday dinners, how to say no to friends and family that want to see you, end quote. Mm. I thought you would like that. Well, uh, so uh, let me preface by saying, um, if you're wondering how to do that, how about grow some fuzz on your peaches and just tell them you don't want to see them. How about that? Yeah! Like There you go. You should have just written the article. Well, like, it's so... so like, the whole article, you know, is about COVID and how, like, mm-hmm. if you're worried about catching COVID and you're trying to social distance and your friends and your family are like, oh, come to dinner. How you say without offending them you don't want to come and i'm like mm-hmm. who cares so true just tell them right. you don't want to come like is that that hard nope i mean you already know well, dave especially like, using especially using covid as an excuse yeah. that's the easiest get a exactly. that's get out of jail free card exactly and like i no mean no, like even if they call you a like you're still you know doing the safe thing and they can't Yep. Like get on you for that. I, yeah, like, I mean, you already know, Dave. I'd say that about a wedding without a pandemic. That's a fact. <laughs> you I kidding? You, <laughs> you kidding? Hey, come to my wedding. No, they're stupid. All right, next question. I'm not going to waste an invitation on you. <laughs> oh, you can you can invite <laughs> me, Dave. I'll come to your wedding. If, 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 no, if, I don't. I don't want to pity. I don't want to pity uh, appearance. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's good. That's good. Just hey, just uh, 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 call me at some point in it and be like, hey, I'm at the wedding. I'll be like, congratulations, man. That, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, like, come on. Like, is it that hard to be like, no, I can't come to your wedding. You sick? <laughs> There's a pandemic going on. No, like. Is that Dude, not that my hard? aunt told me so there was a wedding in Maine mm-hmm. that um, a pastor, um, you know, attended mm-hmm. and did the whole ceremony for. Yeah. And then I guess church is back open in Maine. Mm-hmm. So then he went and gave did it to everybody in the sermons. church. Yes, and yeah. it, so they they literally um, tracked everything back, like you know, several hundred cases mm-hmm. to this wedding. Man. It's, it's Man. insane. Man. That's no good. Be safe, people. Pandemic. Somebody asks you, you don't feel safe, you tell them, guess what? I'm not coming to your wedding. That's what you say. Nope. All right, Dave. I did that. Yeah? There you go. Good. I, I didn't do a wedding. I've turned down friends to hang out. I haven't I haven't mm. turned down a wedding yet. Uh, you know, friends have been like, hey, let's go to a bar. And I was like, no, morons. I'm not going to a bar. Nope. Like you enjoy yourself, you can go. Man, go. I, don't, I can't even remember what a bar looks like. <laughs> Girl, come on. Well, next topic, Dave. This one got me fired up. That one mildly fired up. This one, it, my, you're lukewarm. <laughs> this one got me really fired up. So, Dave, okay. as you know, I have an axe to grind with the general media in how they portray different generations of people and act 
like they're a group of homogenous robots that all act the same. Are classified together. Yep. That one millennial is the same as every other millennial, and one boomer is the same as every other boomer, and one Zebo is the same as every other one. They're not. Preach. But Preach. specifically, I get inflamed what? when it comes to millennials and Generation Z. Which also mm -hmm. reminded me when I was looking at this article that, like, doesn't it seem like millennials had, like, a really short time in the, like, in just sort of the spotlight in general? Like, I feel like growing, yeah. like, I feel like growing well, up, all I heard was Generation X, literally from when I was born until, like, the mm -hmm. mid-2000s. And then I heard mm -hmm. how millennials suck for, like, five years and now everything's right. Generation Z again. And it's just like... Yeah, the Zebo is just but, like... they. I, I think, like, you know, I feel like the internet has has increased the maturation of generations because with the influx of information coming quicker now, mm. so they do stupider things mm. earlier. Well, well but, and, like, this is... <laughs> the, the, the thing is, is, like, Generation Z, that's one of the things that annoys me is because, like... Every article is about how they're amazing. Generation Z is amazing aliens that do everything different from any human ever before on Earth. So true. And I'm just like, right, right. what? Like, what is? And I, you know, I, I was thinking You're about like, it. no, they just knew how to use an iPad at age two. <laughs> well, That's it. <laughs> well, you know what I think it is. I think we should have gone with a letter. As being millennials, we would have fit in better if we would just gone with a letter. You know. We're, mm. we're like boomers. We're stupid with a name, yeah. you know, whereas right, Generation right. X, it's Generation and Z. And... Yeah. 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 Anyways, this story is about Generation Z, of course, and this is from Axios, and uh, the title is Generation Z is eroding the power of misinformation. Word. Hmm. Did you hear eroding that? Eroding the power of misinformation. Yeah. yeah, did you hear that everybody? No one will ever be able to get out get away with a lie anymore thanks to Generation Z. So true. There will be no there will be no power in a lie thanks to Generation Z. Ridiculous. So, I guess it's because they like fact check everything well, so quickly now. So, here you go. The reason for this belief or the reason that the uh, author wrote the article is that mm -hmm. they had some uh, survey from Generation Z college students. And so this is the mm -hmm. first thing. They said 83% of the survey takers said they got the majority of their news from social media and online news. But along totally. with that, 93% of them said that social media wasn't a trustworthy source of news. Wait, what? Wow. So, so that's that's their first reason, Dave. You, they're telling mm -hmm. me that they don't know sh because they read it from social media, but they're aware of the fact they don't know. Sh oh, totally mm. good news right there. What? No, mm. it doesn't mean anything. Then their next fact was 69% of Generation Z students said. It is somewhat or very easy for them to distinguish real news information from misinformation. Word. 
And they just took that for face value, Dave. There's no evaluation of this. There's no evidence that they can actually distinguish real news information from misinformation. It's just that they think they can do that. So, uh, Dave... Like, so, from this, this whole thing, I've been thinking, like, all right, so, like, when I'm on Twitter... You know, you look and sometimes you see like outlandish posts mm -hmm. that you think are from a celebrity, but it's like a trolling account. Yeah. And so I feel like these these people are saying, like these Zebos are saying, I'm on Twitter, I see someone post some news, and I can easily distinguish yeah. if it's a real or a fake account. Exactly. That's like all this article is saying. Well, and and well, and also right again. There's no evidence that they can actually do that. At, actually, they at think they level, can do yeah. that. So, yeah, there's no probability in it. Yeah. So, Dave, ask me if I can fly with jet-propelled farts. Hmm. Doc G, can you fly with jet-propelled farts? I'm glad you asked, Dave. I totally can. Sweet. See? I knew it. See how easy that is when you don't have to provide evidence that it's true? It's very easy. Yep. I can do that exactly like them. You guys should see his farts in the studio. It's he a, literally just hovers just over his chair. Exactly. There's a green cloud <laughs> below me. Um, Ew. Then, then they go on, and this is even great because they don't even. They, this isn't even from the survey. They just say most older generations, even millennials, don't understand influence culture, the utility of hashtags. Influence culture barf. So true. Well, and hashtags. Hashtags. Who the f Dude, doesn't understand hashtags? Everyone loves a good hashtag. Like, I guarantee you, give me five minutes, I could explain a hashtag to a 95 year old out there as long as they don't have dementia. Like, but it's, it's but it's funny because there's like the the hashtag like you know the Jaguars one, so you like hashtag Jaguars. Yeah. But when but when there's also like the funny part of the like, ironic, put one that nobody's gonna look for that's no related one's to ever the post. gonna use. Yeah, but it's but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like I'm just like it's so like so. Let me tell you, Dave. The ability to understand misinformation does not come from your generation. It comes with your ability to understand sources of information: primary source versus mm -hmm. secondary mm -hmm. source, a well vetted mm -hmm. news article versus a no source tabloid story. Regardless, is right. it on social? media online or in a book or on a stone tablet it doesn't matter where it comes from if you know what the source is just because generation mm -hmm. z has been around social media their whole lives does not mean they're going to get rid of misinformation this news story is dumb that's a fact anyways i wonder if generation z but like if if they said like they saw a twitter user with a blue check mark mm -hmm put a tweet out verified if they yeah. would yeah if they were verified and they if they would be able to know if they were primary or secondary source based on the information no given. i can tell you they wouldn't you know how many students no. i know that isn't a primary or secondary source they don't know the difference a lot trust me it uh, doesn't make sad. you any smarter because you've been on the internet for the last 20 years and you're not right. better at diagnosing misinformation. Ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, listeners. I love he Zebos. He is fired up right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Zebos. Yes. I love millennials. I love boomers. Yes. I love Generation X. There's no difference between any of them. We're all people. That's a fact. It's stupid to categorize people on age. It's dumb. Anyways. 
Got me fired up, Dave. Goodness, great. Almost Ooh, as fired up that as that, that cat research study. You remember that? Jeez. Oh, man. Ah. I know it. Oh, God, that one got we me fired up. We need a good art. You got a good article to, uh, to lighten the mood? Let's see here. Um, <laughs> uh, this one, this one isn't it, it. The the topic's not really light, but it's just it's just sad. Um, and funny. Okay. Um, Dave. So this is a weird one from Slovenia. Uh, okay. A twenty-two-year-old woman was sentenced to two years in prison for mm-hmm. deliberately cutting mm-hmm. off her hand. Wait, what? With a circular mm-hmm. saw. To make a fraudulent insurance claim. Jeez. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not worth it, people. Yeah, well, so apparently, a year earlier, she signed five contracts with different insurance companies to collect one million Mm -hmm. euros from injury Mm -hmm. claims like her planned injury. The district of court agreed that along with her boyfriend, they decided they would sever her left hand. Uh, Wow. And not only that, when the two went to the hospital after they did it, they left the hand behind rather than bringing it to the hospital to try to ensure the disability would be permanent. So people would believe like, oh man, they were in a rush. There's no way this was was thought of. How do you forget the hand? How? I don't know. That oh, was that was their idea, though. That was their that idea. That's a terrible idea. Doesn't matter, anyways. The police went back and found the hand, and brought it to the hospital, and it was reattached. So, you know, yeah, yeah. But wow, the the damning she has to have damage. She has to. The damning evidence was that the boyfriend just days before they confiscated his computer, and of course, his search on the internet was. How do artificial hands work? Ow. Ow. Doesn't look good before you cut a hand off. Now, I've had several questions about this when I saw this scheme. Uh, First, like, if you're the lady in this scheme idea, Mm -hmm. wouldn't you suggest maybe a scheme that doesn't involve cutting off a body part? Like, right. I mean, literally anything else. There's so many other schemes of fraudulent behavior that do not involve you cutting your hand off. Like, Mm-mm. and then, like, she was so committed to this that they were like, yeah, you know what? Let's just not even reattach the hand. That sounds good. Yeah, dope. Like, that's not worth a million dollars to me, a million euros. Nope. Somebody no told me way. that, I'd be like, no. I'll keep my hand, thanks. Thank no, you. No, thank you. Like, you not ki- at all. kidding? Say, uh, It'd th- have to be a big old number. Third, uh, she. I, I, I got to say I was still surprised with the two years. Like, after she saw off her hand, like, can't we call it even? I mean, I know she did it in church, but like... She already gave herself a very, she, very sharp slap on the wrist. It was very, right. very sharp. The damage has been done like, already. Come on. Then, lastly, the last thing that I thought about this, did she just straight up cut her hand off like a boss? Well, like without That's what the, I was thinking. Like, yeah. Did she have to have that year to mentally prepare herself yeah, from it was when like she, she made the the the... the Deal with was she like companies? inebriated or like anesthetic or anything? Because like, here's my idea. 
Like, if she wanted to make money and that was her idea, she should have just gone to, like, YouTube or, like, a pay-per-view event and been like, hey, I'm going to cut off my hand with a saw. Who wants to watch? Hmm. She definitely could have made a million dollars. There's enough weirdos that want to see her cut her hand off that would pay for that. Yeah, that's true. Just saying. Influencer culture, Dave. I know about it. So true. I'm just saying. It's it's (laughs) something that I'm into. Um, Anyways, and because I'm a Generation Zebo. Wait, what? Uh, Dave, I got a really weird story here. You ready for a weird one? Yes, sir. Uh, not that that one was totally normal. Um, I was going to say, I was like, we're already on a weird story train, so shoot you, keep it's, it going. It's not like we we haven't been on one for four years. But anyways, um, <laughs> 62-year-old lady gave birth last week after not having physical contact wow. with a male for 15 years. Wait, what? What the f***? <laughs> now, I should mention that I'm referring to a python. But still, oh. right? Isn't that weird, even with a python? That is weird. Well, it could have been artificially inseminated. It was not. It was not. So this past week at the St. Louis Zoo, a 62-year-old python laid eggs after not having mm-hmm. contact with a male for 15 years. So they got a couple hypotheses of what happened. They're thinking the most likely scenario is that she rep- reproduced asexually, what's known as facultative pa- uh, parthogenesis. Uh, essentially where, like it's insane, uh, uh, several reptiles and amphibians can do this, but you know, if they look around and they're like, mm, no mates around here. It's all right. I'll just do it myself. Wait, what? And they make themselves pregnant. It's crazy. They can do that. It's insane. I so my my brother's little leopard gecko had eggs one time, Mm -hmm. but they end up not being um, filled. I guess. I mean, oh okay. The reptile they just shot out blanks, huh? Right. Exactly. Got it. Got well. So, but like I was thinking about this. And but I'm guessing these eggs hatched and they were... They haven't been hatched yet. They're they're still incubating. Okay. So they just found them. Okay. Uh, but like what's even, you know, I mean, what's even more insane is not only that uh, she, uh, the, the python hadn't had contact with a male snake for 15 years. It's mm-hmm. 62 years old. Jeez. It's, and what is that in snake years? Well, it's literally the oldest snake in captivity the, out wow. there. The oldest one. She's been at the St. Louis uh, Zoo since 1961. Girl, come on! Holy shit. Just imagine the story in humans. Like, Kane Tanaka is the oldest woman in the world right now. Just imagine if tomorrow the news said she gave birth to a kid without any male contact for the last 15 years. Wait, what? Like, Mm -mm. talk about 2020 going, kicking into high gear weird with that headline oh man like it would, nothing could ever compare nope. just insane so anyways hopefully hopefully uh the snake's doing well i don't it was unnamed it's crazy 62 year old snake they never gave it a name no name yeah what like come on at least at Rude. least you could give it like a name of like Snaky, Bertha, or Miss Snaky, you know. like come on. Anyway, uh, 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 something to do with constriction. Uh, mm, oh. I, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Anyways, 
We're going to take a break, Dave. We are going to hear some music from the fantastic Sleeping Wolf. This is one of their new singles, Wasted, right here on the Doc G Show. I get the sense of frantic lack of mental clarity. I lose the fragile chains that hold to my reality. Can't feel my heartbeat. Once I could feel things. So I get small inside myself, I hollow out my core. And interacting with the world becomes a massive chore. Can't feel my Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. download a podcast downloading app, mm-hmm. or if you got an iPhone, you already got one. Mm-hmm. Go on it. Look up the Doc G Show. Mm-hmm. Do us a favor. Download it. Get our weekly show. Bingo. Give us a five-star review. Yes. Comment something awesome. Mm-hmm. And to go back and listen to all the shows mm-hmm. in mute. Yes. That way you don't <laughs> have to hear us. <laughs> yeah, even better. Don't even turn it down. Just mute it. Just, just Yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> just play something else. Nice, Dave. I like the added effort. Good. Good. Uh, okay, so we're going we're gonna to switch it up again. We're going to switch it up again okay. for shout-outs because I noticed we had a lot of newcomers this week, so I thought I would just uh, just do newcomers. 
We know we know okay. the regulars, and I hope they will continue listening. Don't worry, we'll give you your shout-outs next week, guys. Shout out. But I thought we'd go over some of the newcomers. All right? There you go. Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. First newcomer, Rexburg, Idaho. Shout out. Rexburg, Ooh, Idaho. Yeah. Pretty close to Wyoming, Rexburg. It's on the uh, east side of Idaho. Home to Brigham Young, Idaho. I didn't know there was oh, a Brigham okay. Young, Idaho. Had no idea. I didn't know either. Yeah, apparently there's an Idaho branch. Um, it's almost <laughs> at 5,000 feet, Rexburg. Pretty high up there. Almost, you know, mile Dang. high. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a Navy research ship called the USS Rexburg that's named after <laughs> the town, which I find pretty ironic considering how far Rexburg is from any ocean. Uh, about, right. About as far as you can get. Um, and I'll say this about Rexburg. Uh, apparently, most of the city is built on top of a shield volcano. Wait, what? Really? Yes. Yes. And so I looked at a couple sources, and I came across a secondary source, the Wikipedia mm -hmm. page. That's right. And of I find it funny on the Wikipedia page how it said, it just says, like, after it says it's on a shield volcano, it just says, eruptions from this volcano aren't expected in the near future. And then it just moves on. Word. And I was wow. like, but What? Could you give me a little bit more? Because, like, I'm going to need a little bit more if I'm moving to Rexburg. No offense to Rexburg residents right now, but you're going to have to give me a little bit more assurance than, yeah, we don't think there's any coming. Should be good. <laughs> I mean, it's just liquid magma that will instantly boil us all into a pile of goo, but I wouldn't really worry about it. We'll be fine. No big. No biggie. Don't worry about it. Look at Pompeii. They turned out fine. It was good. Like, right. come on, guys. Anyway, so they're on a they're on a shield volcano. It's called a shield volcano because it's much more flat than your typical volcano that you think of, right? It spreads out mm -hmm. further on the ground, has much less of a uh, top, a crown, you know? Now, so there mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. Rexburg. Shout Fun out fact. to Rexburg. Shout Thank out. you, Rexburg. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Next one. Marietta, California. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Riverside County. They're down on down in the south South California area, right outside of Temecula. Sweet. I know Temecula. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you know, sort of entered so so east east of L.A. and San Diego, but sort of in between the two. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. About one hundred twenty thousand people in Marietta. Uh, Barry Bonds used to live there. There you go. And uh, okay. and Ricky Fowler, the golfer, from there. Yep. There you go. Oh. Yeah. And I hear they got a bad <laughs> trampoline park. There you go. Yes! <laughs> there you go. There you I, go. Those are pretty popular these days. Oh, they're fun. Me and Jake talked about them. I need to get down on one before I get too old to function on it. You know, I need to. <laughs> I need to go party. Before on. it like hurts your back, just like yeah. At it. Well, I feel like I just like you know fold. Like, you go in for a big jump, and then once I get too old, I'll just, like, crumble into myself, you know? Instead of springing <laughs> up, I'll just <laughs> right down, Ew. and it won't be good. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, mm -hmm. it's also, in case you were like, mm, I don't know, should I go to Murrieta? Well, it's the safest mm -hmm. city in Riverside County. That's right. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know what that means, but 
There you go. Take that. And found this uh, found this uh, interesting. Target is their fifth biggest employer. Take that, Walmart. Oh. Target. Yeah! Murrieta's all about Target. Not your Walmart. Uh. Word. Walmart was like the eighth biggest employer. So there you go. Yeah, that didn't surprise me. Okay. Thank you, Murrieta, for listening. Next newcomer. Noida India. Shout out. Yeah. Noida India. Noida India. So it's it's a uh, satellite city of Delhi. And so, you know, Delhi's pretty high up there. You know, when you look at India, it's like at the little top point of the of the country there. So true. Getting actually fairly close to Pakistan up there, right? Um Pretty small by Indian standards, as far as uh, as far as Noida, six hundred and fifty thousand folks. Um, you know, which I mean is big, but when you're talking about a country with, you know, um, two billion people or so, it's uh, not that big. It's the sixty sixth biggest city in India, so so pretty big cities, and uh, definitely. Uh, it's uh, which is good for India. It's the seventeenth cleanest city in India, which is uh, a good mark. A good ratio wise. Well, good good mark for India because uh, they have some of the most polluted cities in the uh, world. So uh, you want to be on the cleaner side for sure, for sure. Thank you, Noida, for listening. Shout out to you Shout guys. Out. Keep it coming. We love our international listeners. Shout out we Barcelona. Do. Shout out Genoa. Shout out Dublin. Anyway. Shout out. Um, okay, next one. Burke, Virginia. Burke. Shout Burke. Out. Yeah. More Doc G lovers. You know it, man. Virginia always gets the gets the places. I mean, Fisherville, Roanoke, Bristol, Radford. It's all over the place. Ashburn. Anyways. Burke, right beside Fairfax and D.C. You're literally just a couple miles. So it's right up there in the old Nova category. Um, Mia Hamm, the soccer player, lived in Burke for a while. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And back in 1903, Henry C. Copperthite bought most of the property in Burke. And he was known as the King of Pie. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. King of pie. What a title. King of Pie, man. And what a name. Copperthite. It's a pretty sweet one. I like it. I wonder if there's any Copperthites out there. I'm sure there are. Anyways, thank you, Burke, for listening. Okay, last of the newcomers that I wanted to give a shout out today. I think they've probably listened before, but I know I haven't given a newcomer shout out, so they're going to get one. Mm-hmm. Burlington, mm-hmm. Vermont. Shout out. Yes. Yeah, Burlington. Yeah, Burlington Coat Factory. Well, there you go. They're uh, right I don't on. I think it's the same. Nope. They're on the Lake Champlain. Champlain, Lake Champlain, man. Forty-two thousand folks in Burlington. I thought it'd be more, but then again, you forget Vermont's not that densely populated. So you know. Nope. But birthplace of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Burlington, Vermont. Ooh, yeah. Gotta love Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, back in 78, man. Also, a very funny movie, Me, Myself, and Irene with Jim Carrey, filmed mostly in Burlington. Mm. There you go. Sweet. There you go. And I like it. the band Fish. If you ever heard the jam band Fish, 
They're from Burlington. I think I, I, I think I have. Oh yeah, you've heard of them. You've heard it's P P H fish with the P H. Fish. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, last fun fact about Burlington: Horatio Nelson Jackson was from Burlington. He was the first man to drive an automobile across the U.S. in 1903, mm. all the way from San Fran to New York City. It took him 63 days, 12 hours, and 30 minutes. Wow! And 800 oh, gallons God. of gasoline. <laughs> 800 uh, gallons. Very God. inefficient back in the day. He drove a two-cylinder on that uh, oh, on wow. on that uh, trip. Yeah, 63 days. And now you could do that if you went nonstop in like two days. It's crazy. Crazy, man. Crazy. Thank you for all the new listeners. Make sure you keep listening. We want you to stay with the Dog Doc G Show. We thank you for listening all around the world. India to Vermont. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Dave, i got to pick up with a couple other stories that i got left over here. This one's interesting because this is from an area, a Doc G listener area, Roanoke, Virginia. That's right. Oh, yeah. Dave, uh, have you ever loved a product so much that you'd like to be associated with that product even after you die? Hmm. Oh, man. I mean, I'm sure I do, but, like, I'm not... I'm nobody, so they're never going to associate me with anything. Well, who knows? Don't count yourself out. Because Suddy Economy... That's his name. Suddy Economy has... Uh, what a name. I know, right? This is crazy. S-U-T-T-I-E and then economy spelled economy. What? What? Anyways, so that's the way that Suddy feels about Juicy Fruit Gum. Sweet. So wow. Juicy Fruit, or was Juicy Fruit? Suddy is in Roanoke, Virginia. He's a World War II veteran. And uh, wow. so back in the day... During World War II, Wrigley's Gum stopped making gum for the public and sent all their supplies to the troops. So, wow. I mean, you know, you may be getting shot by Nazis, Dave, but at least you got a stick of juicy fruit. Am I right? Amen. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Well, after the war, Suddy became enamored with juicy fruit. Just loving it. Just, I don't, I'd, I'd be afraid I'd get, like, flashbacks of the war if I kept chewing it. But apparently, he just had nostalgic memories of it. And he, he just loved it, right? And so, you could never find Suddy without a couple packs of Juicy Fruit gum. Yes! And every time he meets a new person, he offers them a stick to chew. Sweet! You know, hey, here you go. Have a little Juicy Fruit, right? Well, Suddy's 94. And he's been having some health issues. So his family wanted oh, to talk man. about a couple things, you know, in case the unfortunate uh, occurrence happened that he passed away. And uh, Suddy said, you know what? I want to be buried in a casket that looks like a giant pack of Juicy Fruit gum. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. A friend of his, Sam Oakey, who owns Oakey's Funeral Service. I'm pretty sure, by the way, I've went to several basketball camps sponsored by Oakey's Funeral Service. Just saying. Yes! Um, but 
So this story hits close to home. Yeah, like, uh, man, great juicy fruit. So Okies reaches out to Wrigley's to make sure they're okay with this, right? They're like, hey, you go with us? And surprisingly, Wrigley denied them their first request. Wait, what? Wow. Well, which really confused me, though. I was just like, some dude loves your goofy fruit gum so much that he wants to be buried in a giant pack, and you're like, no way! Not happening! Our gum is classy! Like, what? Come on! It's good publicity. Do it! And, you know... And then I'm also surprised that the funeral service kept asking, because, I mean, like, if they told me no the first time, I would have just been like, all right, who cares? We're going to put him in the ground yeah. anyways. Nobody's going to see it yeah, after the funeral. Them. It's fine. Um, but eventually, Wrigley's agreed, and they were like, sounds good. And then they uh, sent uh, Suddy a bunch of uh, boxes, a bunch of boxes of gum, you know? Um, Sweet. And, I mean... I know there are way worse things to be remembered uh, for, but, like, it's crazy to know that this dude is planning on dying knowing that he'll forever be known as the Juicy Fruit dude. That's right. Like, I know it, right? He's like, I want to be that guy. I want to be the... Like, people may even ask his grandkids, like, 50 years from now, like, was your granddad that dude? That was giant, buried in a giant stick of gum? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my oh, gramps. Yeah, that, that was him. That was him. Like, what? Insane. Well, Soddy, I'm glad you got your approval. Hopefully it's not for years and years and years that you have to do it. Let's, let's right. hope for it. Okay, uh, Dave, we got another story here. Um, this one's uh, pretty dumb. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, many medical professionals, food service employees, uh, during the pandemic have had to uh, break out the old face shields, right? Uh, gotta love them. Yeah, big old plastic shield goes down in front of your face, blocks they fog up, Ugh. blocks so the respiratory annoying. droplets and whatnot. Well, good news, Dave. If you want a face shield. I have a fantastic option for those folks out there looking for one. Okay. Luckily, luckily, the folks at the great medical device company of Louis Vuitton have made a face shield for the cheap price of $961. Uh, they should donate them to my... <laughs> <laughs> now... Uh, do you do you want to hear the unbelievable details of what make this nine hundred and sixty one dollar uh, face shield? You can't see through it. Uh, no, uh, it has the same goofy Louis Vuitton logo and pattern that everything Louis Vuitton has, and that's what calls. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Like I was thinking about that when I was looking at this thing. Like it's got to be awesome to be like a a business designer. At Louis Vuitton, for like an established brand, because you just you just put it do on the exact same thing, like right, like every if it Louis ain't broke, don't fix it. Every Louis Vuitton bag has that same stupid LV with the little button and the little cross thing repeated all over it, mm -hmm. everywhere. And like, so all you're gonna do is like, oh, you know what? I thought we would um make this bag and then put that uh, put that pattern on. There we go. Boom. 
How do you like it? And I thought we'd sell it for $7,000. Cool? All right, good. Like, literally, they have a drawstring bag on, on their website that looks like mm -hmm. the same ones that you get free at a basketball camp, except it's got that same design on it. $3,000. Golly. $3,000. That's crazy. But anyways... Back to this mask. The other thing I got to say about this mask, right, was I looked at it and I was mm -hmm. like, why did they make it $961? Like, right. you know, normally when a company comes up with some odd number like that, when it's like $442, is because there were mm -hmm. economic wizards tabulating the cost of overhead and supply and demand curves and like okay here's the willingness of people to pay for it here's what we paid for, uh, here's how much it costs for us to make like it's obvious that that's not the case for this face shield nope like right you right. didn't have to do that so like why did they just come up with like you know a thousand dollars like Sweet. are they trying to fake people out like yeah we totally that's as low as we could go with this thing was 961 960 we wouldn't make a profit on it we're seriously only making a dollar profit on this thing Girl, come on. you guys are lucky it's basically we're doing the world of service this is basically a charity we're doing with this 961 dollar face shield that you can get for two dollars anywhere else pretty good pretty good Last story, Dave. Uh, remember last week when we had the story of Jeffrey Roholt who tried to steal someone's baby? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, yep. if Jeff would have been up in Michigan last week, he wouldn't even have had to try to steal one because apparently they're giving them away. So, oh pretty nice. <laughs> Detroit police are looking for a man that apparently walked up to a stranger outside of Sinai Grace Hospital around 927 and asked him mm -hmm. to hold his baby while he parked his car. He then got into his silver Dodge Durango and instead of parking it, just drove off. <laughs> God, people are so weird. Then the police, I love how this, ha the police then had to state that it's illegal to give a, a baby away this the, in this manner in Michigan. Word. But it's not illegal to give your baby away. Just the way that he did it is illegal, which right. which I got to say, I'm glad they uh, clarified that because if they didn't, I don't think I'd be going up to Michigan because like, you know, if that you was need consent, if that was the proper way to give away a baby, then I don't want to be like walking into a hospital and like 15 people randomly drop off their babies with me. And I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> I've got Your all of these now. now. Oh, no. Like. Yeah, so they haven't found this guy. So if anybody knows a dude in a Dodge Durango that apparently had a baby and gave it away, please look for him. And is now babyless. Look, looking for him. So just keep a lookout. Okay, Dave, it is time for the second birthday a suit. All right. This one, it's not your wheelhouse either, but girl, come on. I think it's pretty. It's definitely no. You know, you know, yes. him. you know him. Yes. Uh, we and shall I, see. I think you know his name too. I'm pretty positive from the song titles, you'll know it. So, born on September 16th, 1992, in Dallas, Texas. His father was a songwriter and a minister, while his mother was a teacher and a singer. His family moved to New Jersey when he was young. He and his brothers were homeschooled by his mother. 
However, his singing talent, talent was discovered in a barber shop when his mom was getting her hair cut. He started acting wow. on Broadway and getting roles like Little Jake and Tiny Tim. Hmm. Around 2005, hmm. he and his brothers, as a band, were signed to Columbia Records. It was at this mm -hmm. time that a birthday suit wear was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The brothers' band released their first single, Mandy, in 2005. Around this time, they started making appearances on Disney shows and Disney soundtracks. When they went on Hannah Montana and performed We Got the Party with Miley Cyrus, the show had got the over 10 million viewers, Jeez. which spawned Disney wow. to give them their own show. The brothers released a movie about their life in 3D in 2009. In 2013, mm -hmm. the brothers announced that they would pursue independent projects and no longer perform as bands. Mm, Our birthday The Jonas Brothers. Correct. Oh, but it's one of them. It's one of um, them. Our birthday... Well, we'll just go with on. the famous one. Hold on. Okay. Our birthday suit right. wear released uh, the songs Chains and Jealous. He followed Nick Jonas. There we I go. Mm. It's a good jam, man. It's a good Love jam. It. And Chains, both of them. You got me in chains. You got me in chains for your love that I wouldn't change. Work. Oh, so good. So good. Man. I didn't know he was type 1 diabetic. It's crazy. I didn't either. He's f Yoked, so he is pretty He's chiseled. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty. He got. I think it was for like a role. I think he was doing like a movie role. Because he started doing movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he got he got uh, pretty pretty muscular. Got that there. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Pretty status. muscular. In 2018, he married Priyanka Chopra. In 2019, oh, the brothers yeah, announced that they would be performing again as a band. And they released their single, Sucker. And last year, they released their new album, Happiness Begins. Boom. <laughs> Nick Jonas. Turning the big 2-8. Gosh. Gosh. Nick Jonas, he's One on... One year older than me. I was about to he's say. probably worth so many more millions. No, no, no. You're about the same. About the same uh, oh, worth. Oh, thanks, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Well, our show pays you a lot. So, obviously. That's true. Very, I wouldn't thank God for where I'm at because of this show. Very wealthy because of this show. You you can thank that mansion you're living in thanks to this show's yes, royalties. Gosh, so great. Anyways. Right, shout out to our sponsors. Of course, all of them. All of them. Uh, especially Tom Brady's pajamas. Thank you, Tom Brady's pajamas. Uh, yes. Anyways. He what he didn't do so good that first week. I That's don't even a, have a pair of the pajamas. It's okay. I'll get you one. Me and Tom are close. Obviously, I'll get you one. All right. Okay. Deal. We are gonna take a break. We will be right back with none other than Jake and Steve from Sleeping Wolf. But right before that, we are gonna hear the fantastic solo song by Jake Nuke Newton himself. This is his song "Can't Breathe." social protest song right here on the Doc G Show. Now that everything's broken, where do we stand? All the cracks in the pavement are turning to sand. The American dream is on borrowed time. Now that 
that peace on earth is just a nursery rhyme We're out of time Oh see, can you see, we vote right down the aisle Opinions are free, it's always our style Rally with thought, slumber on action As if empty words ever had any traction Oh say can you see My brother can't breathe Oh say can you see My sister can't breathe Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very lucky to have the band Sleeping Wolf with their new album, Grayscale, coming out here in two days on the 18th. Jake and Steve. Guys, how's it going? Doing good, good man. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, you guys you guys have been pretty busy, uh, even though it's been an insane 2020 year. 
Um, you you finished the new album right before the pandemic, if I if I understood correctly there. And you guys have been releasing singles, making music videos. Uh, how's it been trying to get all those things? going during the pandemic uh yeah it's an interesting quandary that we have found ourselves in it's kind of like uh we've never been busier with less tools to be able to do our jobs (laughs) so but it's kind of it it creates a unique challenge for us that is kind of if you get your head right is kind of a fun challenge you know you kind of like all right well we can't we can't go out and do what we normally would do, build up a whole big thing with uh, with uh, music videos and hiring a crew and bringing all that out. Yeah. What can we do with a GoPro camera and our sense of humor? So. <laughs> <laughs> you've, def- you've definitely done that with the uh, the Wasted and the Happy videos. I mean, they have a they have a good feel. They don't have an overproduction feel, obviously, like you said, with your limited amount of tools at your disposal, but they, they've got a very good... Uh, they, they 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 cast the picture of the the song very well. I, I like them. Oh, that's good to hear. I've enjoyed. That's good to hear. Thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate that. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed both of them. Uh, for sure. But uh, I also I also wanted to bring up. You know, obviously, one of the the serious things that's been going on with 2020 has been the, the social issues and uh, you know the the protests that have been going on after George Floyd's murder. And uh, Jake, you wrote your thoughts down on the subject when you wrote the the song "Can't Breathe" back in 2016, and you you fast yeah. forward four years, it's the same issue and it's the same problem, and the lyrics of your song sadly, I think, ring even truer now than they did four years ago when you wrote the song. Um, mm. When when you when you when you wrote that song, did you did you plan on releasing it, or was it sort of a thing? Yeah, because I, I saw you I saw you put a post about it as far as how you hesitated when you originally uh, wrote it uh, back to uh, Eric Gardner's death. Uh, what were your thoughts, and what what sort of spurred you to to release it this this uh, this time in twenty twenty? Well, I had always wanted to be respectful to. Uh to the marginalized communities that are dealing with such a weirdly endemic problem that is pervasive. It kind of mm-hmm. harkens back to the original sin that is uh, um, America's original sin, that of slavery. Mm-hmm. And and not wanting to speak out of turn and be able to get offer up uh, the space for other voices, I felt like I, I wanted, I didn't want to be one of those people that, uh, that, acted like uh, a virtue signaling savior or anything like that i but i was so incredibly overcome by the after seeing the video and seeing additionally the video of george floyd mm-hmm. and all the other videos that came out mm-hmm. the visceral pain of like as anyone feels and it's the reason why this country is so beautiful is that we are built upon the promise of a certain level of of liberty and the pursuit of happiness and to watch it mm-hmm. in a real time like get a eroded immediately and and this lack of understanding that was uh that that was in that video and this kind of this dark animalistic thing that was going on within it it it, um i couldn't wait anymore and i i knew that i needed to throw my hat in if anything just to say that i am with you and i want to bear plenty of space for those that need to hear it and if i can point anybody in my community towards the problem then it is in 
incumbent upon me to actually send people there. Yeah, it it, it does. There there is a sense that it feels slightly different this time in the fact that there were so many people that did speak up because you felt complicit with the issue if you didn't. You know, if if you didn't say that it was wrong this time, you felt you felt like you were part of the problem. And I, yeah, I, I think yeah, that that is uh, different from the times before. And I think, you know, sadly, I think that's one of the, the positives about having a pandemic is that people actually were forced to look at it because they didn't have anything else to do because sure. they were stuck yeah. home, you know, so... Yeah, well, yeah. The rumination time has gone up by at least a thousand percent yeah. for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I, I hopefully uh, hopefully we make some some progress on the issue. But I did really uh, your your song is very poignant and a, a, a very good uh, you know expression of the emotion that I think a lot of people feel. Thanks. But uh, on a lighter note, I also <laughs> noticed that uh, during the quarantine, Jake, you've been doing some some gardening. Are you still gardening? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, Steve and I have kind of gone back and forth with trading different secrets and that sort of thing. Nice. I, I've got my, I got my tomatoes down. And, mm-hmm. of course, actually, weirdly enough, and it's weird that we're talking to, to you in Jacksonville, I was using something called the Florida Weave. Yes. Uh, as a way to keep yes. That's been doing that. That's been really nice. Steve is a master at being able to grow peppers at home. Mm. I can't do it. Mm. They just weren't happening. But, but So we've been doing this thing back and forth. Every every few uh, weeks, we'll just trade stuff back and forth and go to our respective homes and make salsa. Uh, a very so, a very mini farmers market. Just y- yes, you indeed. It's all it's a barter system yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, yeah, we've 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 I've it's really kept us busy. Uh, my wife and I out here, we've got a, a nice little spot of land out in LA and, and the eastern side, uh, yeah. outside of Hollywood. Yeah. So it's been keeping us sane. And Steve, you've been doing uh, a lot of gardening too. Yeah, some mostly hot peppers. I love hot chilies, so mm. I've got a lot of that going on. Mm. Um, I, I don't have as much space for it as, as Jake does, but it's been, you know, something nice to pass the time when we're not working on music and just sitting around bored during all of this. So it's been good. <laughs> what's, what's the hottest type of pepper that you have or chili? Hmm. The hottest thing I have right now is habanero, which is, yeah, it's pretty hot, but it's not insane. But yeah. It, I, it would be nice to, to get one of the Carolina Reapers or something mm-hmm. else like that. Just mm-hmm. to, I don't know. I, I, I think... Peppers seem to like grow pretty easily. There's not a lot of work to it. He said. He says I've been having a <laughs> time trying to get even bell peppers to happen. <laughs> well, speaking of the the hot peppers, I we've had two folks. We're not anything like hot ones or anything on the show, but nope. for some reason we've had two people on the show that were uh, that did have to go through some very hot foods. We had Casey Webb who did who does Man versus Food there. And he's had to deal with some oh, of the yeah. some of the ghost chilies, and we talked to him oh, about yeah. it. And then also, weirdly enough, Phil Collin, the the guitar player for Def Leppard, is a big fan of hot huh. stuff. And when he was on oh, wow. our show, I brought up how he had he'd eaten a ghost chili just just on YouTube. He just pulled one out and was like, "Oh, let's try this out." Oh, ooh, yeah, this is really hot. What? And I was just oh, like, God. "What? How do you do that?" <laughs> He that's ba- insane. All, yeah. Also, the fact then that he produced a ghost pepper. Yeah. Just, it was on his person. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, well, basically everything in his life made me feel like a loser. That's I'll right. just go ahead and say that. Like every, like he just did all of these awesome things, and then the 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 coolest part about that was when I said that at the end of the interview, I was like, man. Phil, you just make me feel like you're like you've done so many cool things. I feel like such a loser. And he's like, yeah, and he just moved on. I was like, oh, he just agreed <laughs> with me on that. Oh no, oh, that's all uh, right. Come on, come on, pour some sugar on me, bro. Exactly. It's okay though. He was he was super nice. Loved it. But uh, one other thing that I had to mention about the quarantine, Jake, I've noticed that you've had a, a fascination your whole life about sort of growing a full beard. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen you mention that a lot, like in interviews and on Instagram. I was wondering, have you, have you spent this time growing an outrageous man beard during the pandemic? I've been dealing with, uh, I've been dealing with the, the, I think every guy that tries to grow a beard can appreciate the six to eight week mark where you go like, I feel like it's starting to look good. But my face is on fire, and I can't deal with this ferret that I've decided to glue to my skull. So, I mean, I've been trying like to get like a, a buddy group going on and try like Steve. Steve could definitely grow a full, big, massive beard if he wanted to. And every time he goes like, "No, I'm not doing it." <laughs> Yeah, well, too itchy, man. I can't deal with it. Well, anytime you need some inspiration, Jake, just let me know because I'm always rocking a full oh. beard. I always have I've, a full I've beard going. I've seen some pictures, man. Yeah, it, it's pretty stellar. Now, I gotta say, like it, it, it's yeah. it's I okay. Think it wood just chops itself in front of you. It's yeah. it's okay. It's not nearly as good. There are some folks like actually my co-host Dave. He can really. He's got one of those James Harden beards that grows up like close to his eyeballs. You know. Like, mine doesn't oh, go yeah. nearly as high as far, so I have to do some strategic trimming to make it look more full than it than it really yeah. is, you know, sort of an optical illusion. But if you need some, you know, <laughs> if you need some motivation, just let me know. I'll motivate you Absolutely, through that full man, full man beer. I'll, get that, I'll <laughs> get that castor oil going, man. I'll yes. get that derma roller. Yes. I'll make it happen. Yes, the derma roller <laughs> is key. Good circulation to it. That's... That's important. Ah, I love it. Important. Well, so before we jump into the new record, which uh, I am excited to talk about, like I said, a lot of good singles on that that album already that you guys have released. Uh, let's let's take the listeners back real quick. Uh, Jake, you're you're a Cali man. Uh, you guys both mm-hmm. are in California now, but you grew up in Northern California, and sort of the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, I thought I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, but then when I saw that you said the closest record store to you was 45 miles away from your house and you didn't really yeah. have TV, I sort of felt like I grew up in a metropolis. Um, so, oh, yeah. So uh, you, you obviously, like, completely switched that around when you moved to L.A. Did you like where you grew up? Uh, and do you, like, ever see yourself going back to that sort of you know, wide open nature spaces like that? Well, it's interesting, man. I, I mean, there's within myself, I've got these two smaller selves that one one begs and asks to get plugged into what is, what's happening in the big, bright world. And I, when I come down to L.A. after being out on tour or, or out for work in other parts of the world, I'm excited to get back into like the center of the entertainment industry. But mm-hmm. then uh, a couple years back, went camping with the family outside of our, uh, our uh, little hometown, even to even more remote 
climb mm -hmm. and uh, I had this weird spot in the center of my soul that just started like laughing and screaming and so happy <laughs> to be in nature and yeah. um, it, it, it's strange man it, it's uh, so you kind of balance the thing back and forth and just listening to like the different seasons of yourself I don't know that I'll ever really settle down I've been in LA longer than uh, in that in the neighborhood yeah. that I'm in I've been longer than anywhere else I've ever lived in for a time so it's, it's an interesting thing but yeah I, I guess at some point, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, you know, if things keep going the way they're going, I'm definitely going to be looking for a quiet cabin somewhere. <laughs> yeah, somewhere <laughs> to get away from it, at least. At least mm -hmm. you can head out, head out and get your thoughts straight. That would be nice. Um, That's for sure. Which, which goes along yeah. with, which I saw, you know, uh, as far as your music inspirations, uh, I saw that, like, sort of the first... First real introduction you had was your dad's record collection, which is something that I've heard over and over again with our music uh, musical guests. You know, you're you're just going through your parents' house and you're like, "Hey, what's this? All right, let's mm -hmm. jam on these things." Yeah. And I got pretty jazzed because you were into some of my favorite '70s singer-songwriter classics. I mean, Jim Croce, Gordon Lightfoot, Cat Stevens. Uh, now, yeah. now, when I listen to your solo stuff, I can definitely hear the influence of those artists. Not, not as much in in Sleeping Wolf songs. Would you still say that kind of stuff influences you and Steve when you write? Well, it's interesting. Weirdly enough, Steve and I have actually we met on that kind of common ground because both of our dads were musicians mm -hmm. and both working in industry at a certain point before it didn't quite make sense to have a family. And keep on going in the industry. Yeah. And I think Steve, you can you can speak to this too. You had uh, like there was a lot of folk in your house. There was a lot yeah, of like, definitely. yeah, hundred percent that kind of thing. So mm. uh, it definitely influenced me as a solo artist. And when Steve and I got together, I I had listened to a bunch of that folk stuff, and it was sort of my my baseline for where I started working from. But then you get to be a teenager, and then you do kind of do that thing that all people do. They differentiate from their yeah. parents, and they start listening to. For us, it was that post grunge stuff. Like, Steve, what, what were some of the, the bands that we were jumping in on? We were we were just like uh, talking about Sponge and uh, uh, yeah, Plow. Nice, yeah, that's yeah, a good jam yeah, right there. Yeah, and and hitting all the like live Secret Samadhi and throwing Copper and all those other uh, really really great records. Live kind of just really opened mm. us up. I mean, yeah, this is, so we we kind of when we started Stephen Wolf uh, while we. Steve had also worked in a lot of the folks. Steve, uh, you'd been touring. I've been touring with uh, the the Hotel Cafe scene. That's the Josh Raid, yeah, and, and Sarah Bareilles and mm -hmm. and Carrie Brothers and William Fitzsimmons and all those guys. And I kind of met Steve through a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, you came out here in, in LA, Steve. Who were you working with? I, I uh, when I moved out, um, I had been touring just sort of as a sideman guitar player with artists like Ryan Cabrera and Tyler mm. Hilton, some mm -hmm. of those kind of poppier songwriter yeah. artists. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot, not only a lot of that influence growing up as well, but I, I worked with a lot of kind of current versions of those artists, you yeah. know, in the mid to late 2000s. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but I just, I had, you know, so much like rock and roll in my roots too <laughs> growing up. I mean, I was, you know, I, I really like was finding music in the sort of mid to late nineties. So yeah, all of that music in that era, like uh, Third Eye Blind and Tonic and mm -hmm. all those kind of bands were like the things that I really loved and gravitated toward and uh, really learned those songs as a kid. Yeah. So 
I had this like rock and roll thing in me that I never really got to do a lot with. <laughs> um, and I think Jake kind of had some of that as well. We sort of, we, we had a, a really interesting common ground musically because we, we both were really embedded, I think, in singer songwriter, like poppy singer songwriter music. But we, uh, we had this rock and roll thing that just needed to come out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, th I think in a lot of those, those nineties bands you mentioned, yeah, with the best of them, when they reached their highest, you know, their highest ability, you, you got sort of the best of both worlds. I mean, as far as... Because totally. you, you can break down some of those songs in, into an acoustic version, and it, it yeah. I mean, you know, you get you get the same vibe that you would with a 70s singer-songwriter. I mean, like live lightning crashes. I don't know if you get much better oh, lyrically yeah. than, that, than that song. Uh, and then, right. like, you know, uh, uh, tonic, um, if you could only see, uh, I mean, yep. just th those, those songs definitely have a little bit of both. I, I feel like they always, those nineties groups have such a strong connection to the seventies groups. There's such a, there's such a tie there cause they all grew up loving those bands, whether it was the, the harder stuff like Zeppelin and the who, or the lighter stuff like Jim Croce and, and Gordon Lightfoot. So. I definitely, right. and you know, I've seen uh, I've seen some of the the uh, you know short clips you guys put on of playing songs acoustically, and you you get that vibe from some of your songs when you strip it down and you take uh, you take away the other the other uh, effects in the song and the other processing. You definitely, yeah, you can definitely hear it there for sure. Um, yeah, there's been this beautiful handoff of, of all that. Like, like we we love the '70s stuff. We found the natural progression of what was our new iteration of it, and then mm -hmm. uh, we, now we're doing it ourselves. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, so before you guys met, I did want to. You know, you were talking about Hotel Cafe, and I wanted to ask you about that because obviously there are some there are some uh, venues that are having some trouble right now staying afloat because mm. of the, the pandemic. But bef before I ask about that, I did see an interview that just made me laugh about one of your first performances, Jake, that you, you brought up about playing a show at Room 5 uh, where there were yeah. only three people, and one of those people yeah. was the bartender. And apparently, oh, yeah. in the middle of the set, oh, she yeah. walked up and and told you that she was leaving, basically calling a night. Um, yeah. Did she at least give you the like courtesy of whispering that to you, or did she just sort of like yell it? And the two people in the audience were like, "Oh, it's time to leave." Like, yes. what's, what's you know, you know, it was it was. Uh, <laughs> I remember that vividly. That, that definitely is gonna be gonna be burned in my mind for a while. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was, uh, it, she kind of, you know, it wasn't, she didn't yell it, but she did kind of walk up to me right in the front row and kind of had this look on her face like, come on, man, let's go <laughs> home. <laughs> like, look, there's television we could all be watching. And that like, was. Just get out of here. I'm I guessing. I had a moment where I said, like, yeah, you go like, all right, I, I, I get it. You, you got to go to your other job in the morning. Okay. <laughs> just, uh, I mean, that was, that's definitely, I, I think that. While you don't have to live through that to be an artist, it is definitely one of those defining moments that if you can get through that weird yeah. feeling of, yeah. of disappointed strangers, um, 
and and push through and do it for the love of why you do it. Um, there's nothing that quite makes the the full house with the shining eyes of of expectant fans yeah. feel even better. Yeah, uh, and the, yeah. So there was there's been a few of those gigs uh, <laughs> in various different parts of North America and uh, and the rest of the world that have have been really eye opening. And it's kind of that. It's a weird, weird impulse to get up in front of people and say, I wrote these songs in my underwear. Now you're going to hear my feelings. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, yeah, but it, as weird as the job is, it's one of those beautiful, magical, I, I can't think of any other moment in my uh, existence that I have felt such magic as when I'm making art in front of people like that. For sure. For well, like you know, I never got to that point of where people actually wanted to hear the things that I was playing. And the band that I was in, it was always the you know, it was either the open mic night or the gig we got for five hundred or six hundred dollars, and everybody's trying to eat their meal, and they're like, oh, what are these assholes gonna do? Oh God, they're playing. Oh, oh, the, 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 the banquet gig thing yeah. where all you can hear is the clank of silverware. Yeah, and you stop you stop your song, you end your song, and everybody just looks up like, are they get they're playing another one. Oh crap, they're playing another <laughs> one. All right. Uh you know, and you're like, Will uh, you guys give go. us more money if we stop? Is that will you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So We it, can go drink in the parking lot if you let us. Exactly. Yeah. If you if you give us enough money, we'll we'll head out. It's fine. Um <laughs> But one, of, I think one of the places you have great memories, and you you brought it up, uh, memories both solo and Sleeping Wolf is is Hotel uh, Cafe, um, and and like you mentioned, there's a lot of big names that have played there. Maybe not, they might not have been big names when they first started there, but they got bigger over time. And I noticed, I noticed uh, Hotel Cafe's done a lot of live streams uh, recently to try to sort of keep up during the pandemic. Uh, have they asked Sleeping Wolf to stream? They haven't asked yet. Uh, we've been they've been on our list of uh, uh, people to call. Max and Marco, the owners of the Hotel Cafe, mm -hmm. are really good friends and uh, and sweet people, and have really helped out not only the community but individuals, and uh, were real champions early on of Sleeping Wolf. Um, certainly, and so we, we actually the second stage that they opened up a few years ago, we opened it up. Uh, on the, their premiere night, us and uh, Carrie Brothers nice. and uh, and Javier Dunn, I think we, we all got together for that first night to kind of like christen the place, which is yeah. really, really cool. Uh, so uh, they haven't asked, but in all honesty, uh, they've been kind of overwhelmed with, you know, trying to keep the lights on and trying yeah. to do that thing. If they, uh, we, it does put into mind, Ben, that we, we should probably reach out and uh, put that, but we definitely uh, constantly want to tweet support and, and push eyeballs towards uh, the national support of the venues yeah. to keep them open once this all goes through so we actually have some place to go see live music exactly and to my mind and to many many people in the professional world and outside of just people who are constant concert goers one of the best places under 200 seats to see live music of people that you know are going to be on the radio yeah and across and it's the cheapest place to see i mean i've to give you a, a little backstory, I worked there as a bartender mm -hmm. years ago uh, be, when I had a tight spot, and uh, Max and Marco were always just kind of like so good to me. Yeah. And but I got to see, uh, I got to see uh, Ed Sheeran and uh, Katy Perry mm -hmm. and all these people before they were any anywhere near the radio. Uh, 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 
I can't even think of like I'm drawing a blank of all the different people that I go like, oh man, he's so good. Why are why are people listening to him? <laughs> well, because he's six months later, and then he's getting nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, it's strange. James, yeah, James Bay and uh, Sturgill Simpson, and like I, you, I, I saw Sturgill Simpson play to nine people wow. at 11 p.m. on a Friday. Wow. And I was like, man, this guy's good. What the what's wrong with this world? Why don't people <laughs> like him? Well, he just need a little more time. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, you know, that's that's true across the whole country as far as a lot of those venues. Uh, you know, I mean, we have plenty of venues here in Jacksonville that are struggling to, to stay open that, uh, you know, have have put on all kinds of great uh, all kinds of great artists throughout the years. So it's it's definitely, you know, putting their support out there, their GoFundMes, their, their uh, streaming events. Folks need to check them out if they can, for sure. Um, but back to back to starting wolf, uh, sleeping wolf, starting wolf, uh, sleeping wolf. Uh, you guys started back in 2014 ish around there, uh, and you guys started by basically, like you said, friend of a friend, sort of blind writing session, uh, and you you immediately wrote uh, "Wreck of Our Heart," and it was sort of like a, a you know catalyst moment. What made you guys know that this this is a new band, not just another song to to pitch to another artist? I think it was that song was the, the jumpstart to it, but I think it was the second time Jake and I got together, just the two of us, and um, we wrote uh, "Come and Get Me." Mm-hmm. Um, and when that song happened, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "This is really dope, and mm-hmm. we have to keep doing this." Nice. Like, and this sounds like a thing of its own. Um, yeah, we we, uh, we had a, a third writing partner in there, Stevie Aiello, who is a really great dude and a, and a phenomenal writer himself, and he's actually the touring guitarist for uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of like, imbued a little bit of that in there and had quite a bit of, there was just this, just that, that vibe, and we kind of, I remember uh, Steve and I started, I was out of town in New York on, uh, like, playing a gig for another band, and Steve was doing a bunch of different writing sessions, and we got to about, like, the second or third iteration of the mix for Come and Get Me, and Steve just said, like, dude, this is a band! Like, this is a band, man! And I'm like, I said, yeah, I guess, are you down for a band? And we kind of did that whole, like, you know, romance thing, like, I'm down for a band if you're down for a band. We should probably be a band! Yes! And, and, so we were trading like we were uh, we were trading texts back and forth about what the name should be. I mm-hmm. think there were some robots at some point <laughs> involved. <laughs> but then uh, this suggestion uh, came up of Sleeping Wolf, mm-hmm. and we liked the idea so much of what that kind of represented. For years and years, we were just these nice guys playing music and and playing these kind of singer songwriter folky stuff. Yeah. And then we came out with this song that was so aggressive and like in your face, and it kind of felt like this sleeping wild animal had finally like woken up and so that it was kind of that that was where the name folded in with the whole theme for what we were doing and putting out for sure for sure well like you you mentioned you you guys both i mean have experience writing you guys have experience producing uh what would you say the the strengths of each other are well yeah i'm gonna jump in on this for steve steve's production is so 
is so crystal clear and unique and he's got this he's got an ear before i even really hung out with steve for years uh he was always the guy that you would come to and when you had a mix problem mm-hmm. he's got he has great 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 ears and then of course nice. like an inventiveness and a playfulness that is all, also comes along with his level of production nice he never once says like you know you say like what if we tried this he he takes your idea and goes like that's cool, but what if we did this to it yeah. and then this to it? And it's Willy Wonka, man. He goes, yeah. man. He goes, he goes crazy. And all there cannot tell you how many hooks and parts of songs that are integral to the actual structure of a song that he goes like, "What if we did this insane thing that no one's ever done that we tried?" And then we go like, <laughs> and I, it's just me. It's me sitting behind him going like, "Uh, yeah, okay, that's great, yeah, keep going. All right, <laughs> I'll sing on that. Yeah, so that's that's what I think, Steve's." One of Steve's many strengths is that comes to mind personally nice. is is the, the production and and the level of organization because God love me I you know I'd lose my head if it wasn't stapled onto me. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is really the the true like artist personality behind all of it. I mean he sees the vision down the line. He sees where the song can go. He sees the crowd singing the lyrics back to him. Like he he has that whole picture of it and it's the thing that I've never had. I mean, I I love making my own music and I love having an artist's voice, but I don't have, I don't really have the personality or the drive to try to (laughs) be on stage and make that thing happen. Yeah. Um, And and Jake really has that piece. So it really, you know, uh, Jake obviously was doing well on his own as as a solo singer, songwriter, artist, but it definitely really takes both of us to make this thing work. Yeah. Um, Because I don't know, we, we, we just, Jake has his own side of even the creative part of the songwriting that he just sees things and comes up with lyrics and, and a, a twist on a concept that I would never hear or see myself. So well, I, I don't think we can make this music without both of us involved. Hey, you know, it's a, it sounds a little bit like you, you've got uh, you've got part of the 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 leader manager. Uh, Steve is the creative the creative manager, and uh, and and Jake is the uh, is the uh, vocal leader. So there you go. You put Definitely. Them, you put, I think so, yeah. You put them together, and you, you got a fantastic band. There it is. Um, yes! Well, yeah. Well, outside of the band, uh, Steve, you got a chance to, to co-write uh, Say Say You Won't Let Go, which, my goodness, yeah. that song has been popular. That's a fact. My, my goodness. <laughs> it's got a life of its own now, yeah. I mean, it's got um, a billion and a half streams on Spotify alone. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, what, what, first of all, what does it feel like writing, <laughs> taking part in something that became that popular? And then two... Sure. Have you have you have you do you think you've got another one in you for Sleeping Wolf that you're ready to get a billion and a half streams on that one? I definitely think we do. Nice, <laughs> um, nice. I, I uh, yeah, I mean that that was a crazy experience because it you know I would love to tell you that we finished writing that song and we immediately had a lightning bolt come yeah. out of the sky and hit us and go this is a huge worldwide smash. Yeah. Uh, and we, we didn't have that at all. We thought, wow, this is, you know, uh, James, you know, James Arthur came in and wrote it with us. And, um, we thought the song was really good. And we honestly were just crossing our fingers, praying, you know, praying to God, like, would you please just record the song? Cause we really <laughs> like it. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, and we had no idea that it was going to do what it did. Yeah. But, um, I, I think that's also like, it's sort of like the, the beauty and, and the frustration of, of what, 
we do i mean yeah it's our job but it's also like we're making art and like yeah. trying to like take art and figure out how do you turn this into dollars yeah is a really crazy thing and the reality is like sometimes you just don't know and yeah and the other flip side is sometimes you think you have a smash and it never does anything yeah. so it's a, it's a weird it's a weird game and a weird battle but i i definitely think you know we have we have some stuff with sleeping wolf that definitely has the potential to do that nice and um you know it, it, you just you just keep making great music. You keep writing great songs. I mean, I, I really do believe great songs are always going to find their way. And it may not be as big as you want it to be every time, but I think it's the important thing is you keep making the music and you keep making real stuff that moves people. And um, you know, let it let it find its life where it's going to. For sure, for sure. And along that same line. You know, I love I love asking uh, guests this because it, it is it's like you said it's a frustrating thing for most artists because I feel like sometimes an artist feels like a, you know they're super proud of this one song and they feel like it just got completely slept on you know and sure, and, oh yeah. oh and yeah. they're like why this song is so great why aren't people listening to it. Now, up to this point, the most popular song you guys have uh, would be would be "New Kings," uh, which is is yep. been a very popular song. You know, millions of streams on on all of the different streaming services. Uh, and I was wondering, do you guys do either of you feel like there's a song that that should be the should be as high as "New Kings" that you think has been slept on? I mean, obviously, you're proud of all the songs. You created all of them. You want them all to be that high. But do you think there's one that's been, you know, slept on more than the others that you're like, how is this not more popular? Sure. I mean, yeah, there, there's uh, a lot of stuff from uh, our Silent Ones record. That The title track, The mm -hmm. Silent Ones, mm -hmm. is a song that we have so much fun playing live. And it is such an a, an absolute uh, barn burner of a song for us. Yeah, that we we really really dig. That we were, I mean, like it's it, we. That's the reason why we made it the title track. Yeah, it, we just loved it so much. And for some reason, people go like, "Yeah, it's good." And you know, that's kind of, <laughs> you know, like like you don't understand. There's just so much feeling and heart and aggression, and this is so good. And everybody goes, "Yeah, it's cool. We like New King." <laughs> All right. Okay, but at the same time, you kind of like it, it's strange how that that works. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something indicative to the whole creative process. So many, like, so many times, you got these little babies that you that you kind of bring into the world, and you go, "This is this is the the absolute essence of who I am as an artist." Mm -hmm. People go like. No, it's cool, but, uh, but I like the thing that you kind of <laughs> did that one day that you didn't really think it would work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I definitely, like, I, and I think that with a lot of artists, you know, you uh, a lot of artists get sort of uh, stuck in that, in, in the creation process. And so the ones that they have the most fun creating... And it, 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 they really have to, they have to really work and, and, and toil with. And then when they come out with it, they're like, man, this came out and it's really, it, it's really good sounding. And then, like you said, that one little thing that you did one day that you really didn't think was going to be popular, you didn't really have to work on it. You didn't really have to go through a long process with it, but it just, it really clicked with everybody. And you're like, well, that's annoying. Right. I didn't do much for that <laughs> song. Like, yeah, yeah. 
I, I do know this for anybody out there that's listening as an artist and is having struggles as we all do from time to time is the, the one cure for all of it is just to wake up and show up and wake up and show yeah. up. Yeah. For years and years and years, I... I was waiting around for inspiration and when like some bolt of lightning from like the inspirational gods would come to me and flow through my body out my hand into my pen and then I would write these beautiful lyrics. Uh, I realized that I became too precious about uh, about every single song yeah. and realizing that if I show up every single day and then I, I live constantly within that, then I will be able to get the fulfillment of the actual creation. And actually being in a band with Steve uh, is... That's something I should hearken back to a lot of his strengths, which is this dude gets up every single day and works and works and works and works. And like to be in a band with him, I have to work more. <laughs> <laughs> you got to You got to come to the table with something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I gotta, I gotta say on on the the slept on songs. I think Angel City Dust is should be oh. more more popular. I I love that song. Just the the oh, background to it, the build up. There's so many good parts about that song. It's got it's almost got a little bit of a, a weekendy feel to it, like the weekend. There's a little oh, yeah, bit of sure. that in there. It's it's so good. Really like it. But let's talk about That's the rad. the new record, Grayscale. So uh, this is this is a concept album, from what I heard, uh, sort of on on journal entries of you guys. How how did how did this yeah. become an idea for the album? How did you come about that? Well, there wasn't a lot of intentionality. It was around um, around December of last year, where mm-hmm. um, Steve Steve inevitably called me up and said, "Like, hey man, I've got a couple of these concepts and these ideas for some songs. You want to like just block out a couple of days because in." In December, uh, the entertainment industry in LA, everybody goes like, "Guess what? I'm going to visit parents. I'm going to yeah. go. Uh, I'm, we're done for the year." And so we kind of, as far as the band goes, we, we kind of had this wide open schedule, and mm-hmm. it kind of felt like what COVID feels now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we we got together on a couple of these concepts that Steve had had, mm-hmm. and then about the third or fourth song out of these iterations, there seemed to be this undercurrent of a theme of sorts. And uh, Steve, you can talk more about like where where that kind of yeah. going out. Of. I mean, it, it really just to you know backtrack a bit, but like it uh, for me, I had I went through some tough stuff mm-hmm. last year that I was just dealing with on my own, and mm-hmm. um, I would you know be sitting up late at night with a whiskey and my iPhone mm-hmm. and a guitar. And my wife was asleep in the other room. And I'm like, all right, just don't be loud, but I got to get these thoughts out. So I just had these like voice notes in my phone of just almost like stream of conscious kind of melodies and lyric ideas um, that really was just sort of this therapeutic journaling process for me. But I I kind of showed a couple of them to Jake and he was like, dude, this is really good. And he had been dealing with some of his own things that had the same sort of emotion to it. So as we, as Jake was saying, as we put a couple of those songs together, um, we realized, Hey, this would be a great first track. Um, and this one would feel good in the middle. Let's write something to sort of go between those. So we literally yeah. would would go. Oh, I mean, I remember one of the, I can't remember which song it was, but one of them, I was like, it just needs to have the meaning of this. And I said the title, and then we were like, well, let's just pretend that's the title of the song and write the whole song around that. And we nice. did. Um, so we sort of like filled in the gaps after we had these couple of songs, and then track one on the album is, is called Introduction, and it is a short little clip of a song, but. We really wanted something that just felt like it was 
the intro to everything you were about to hear. Yeah. And so we, even though we thought we had track one, we were like, what if we set up track one with this? So we we went back and specifically wrote this piece that was an introduction. And then I think it was probably mid-January. We thought we had everything finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I called up Jake and I was like, all this feels good. The order feels great. But I just don't feel like this is the final thought. Like, um, uh, Pain actually was, I think at the time, the the last song. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, it's such a nice, like, like strong finish. It's a big fight song. It's a big stand up for yourself song. And I'm not going to take this anymore. But the the rest of the album is so dark. I just, we wanted to have something that felt like it reflective in a way that was still positive but yeah anyway we so we we um we got together literally i called jake that morning and said i, I think we need one more he said i kind of agree and he came over to the studio and we wrote the last song that day um and we just finished i mean it was nice. really crazy to, to have an experience like that and again it, like jake was saying we didn't necessarily start out with the intention of making a concept album but it just took on that life and made sense to put the pieces together that way as we you know we're diving down the rabbit hole of all that now now were the 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 singles that you've released so far were those some of the the main starting songs that you had or is it all over the place uh the the songs i I think that there's the songs that actually were some of the backbone of this Mm -hmm. uh one of them was pain uh Mm -hmm. and then a couple other ones are still on the yet to be released uh actually uh on friday uh on the 18th of september we will have the full length out there and that's the title track grayscale was one of the ones that became a centerpiece certainly for us nice um uh and and uh those other ones so there there is the idea for the record is to, if you can, amidst all like the the chaos that is screaming at all of us, yeah, you can sit down with it and uh, and find a quiet moment to listen, start to finish. It basically tells the arc of a story of someone that falls into a depression, yeah, and then struggles through it like a like being tied up in a blanket underwater, mm-hmm. and then emerges at some point, and then has some not not a Pollyanna sense that everything's going to be okay and we're all going to have sunshines and roses <laughs> and paid healthcare. Yeah. But, uh, but that, but that there's a glimmer of hope in the distance. And that if you keep yeah. on putting your best foot forward, keep on. And I think that both Steve and I, given our personal experiences, both with depression and with adversity that we were dealing with over the, the last uh, 2018, 2019, yeah. um, we wanted to be able to, as much as we were writing it for other people, we were writing it for ourselves. Yeah. To, to just talk to ourselves to to every time it comes on our our iTunes uh, to to remind ourselves that there is hope there is a certain uh, glimmer of of brightness in the distance no matter how dark it may feel in the moment you're in yeah well, well I I think uh, that's um, very relatable right now for most people <laughs> so yeah that was one thing we thought was so strange is that we we wrote this and then we had this thing wrapped up. Yeah. Before uh before Wuhan was anything it, yeah. in in popular culture. Mm-hmm. And then it's just I mean it, we feel weirdly lucky that this happened when it happened uh, as far as our writing goes that we were able to to make this happen before that. And now that it's finally out and available once it got through the record label and and stuff and was able to be released it's it's great to actually have something that speaks to the time we're living in. For sure, definitely. Uh, as a side note, real quick, I don't know if anybody else does this, but when you said Wuhan, it reminds me. Every time somebody says it, it just reminds me of the old Buster Rhyme song "Wuha." 
And like I just I, I say <laughs> Wuhan. Wuhan got you all in check. Yeah, and that's what I think in my head. And I'm just like I feel like people would look at me like I was an idiot if I say that. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it to myself. I'm holding it. But there, are, I, I released. Totally get it. I released it on the air. It's fine. It's okay now. It's out there. Um, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but how do you think this this concept album compares to the last music that that uh, Sleeping Wolf has released? Well, what's interesting about Grayscale is that it bridges a lot of different uh, genres in its actual, or at least subgenres. I'll say. The the title track, I think, is one of my favorite tracks that we've ever done. Nice. Just given the sheer fact that it is, uh, it is so specifically um, hard rock mm. that we have never really jumped into that kind of a thing. The there's more guitars on this record. I think that that's definitely been the theme for this particular one. So there's a lot of, of, of that going on nice. and, uh, and a bit less synthesizer and, and that kind of a thing, a little yeah. less pop, but um, mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of, uh, in, in a world where everything is seems that at least the rock world, there's a, a certain level of cool. And this one, we were really striving to have an earnestness that may or may not feel like like the cool kids with the leather jackets and the <laughs> cool glasses and that kind of thing. Yeah. We're just a couple of dudes working through our pain. Yeah. And that what felt that's and doing it in an aggressive way. And uh, I'm kind of like a, a latent uh, metal fan, uh, given that I grew up amongst like the hardcore scene in Northern California. Yeah. That was the only thing that was going for us. So I have that. And Steve, of course, has a lot of that, like with, with the rock that he's listening to. So we definitely let a lot of those little monsters out in this <laughs> latest record nice <laughs> nice hard, hard, harder guitar we can expect harder guitar in grayscale i like it i that like you it. can uh well uh i've got one uh selfish question about the album mainly for me now i'm, I'm sitting in our studio right now surrounded by all the albums of our former guest on the show and i've got to ask is grayscale gonna come out on vinyl are you guys going to release it on vinyl? We, we've talked to the label about it, and uh, you know we haven't made a decision yet, but we would like to do that. So yes. I, I'm not yes. going to say 100% yes yet, but uh, if we do it, definitely check your mailbox because we'll be sending you one. Yes. 100%. And Ben, Ben, uh, we will definitely be sending them this interview so they can know that the man <laughs> from the people is there. <laughs> well, and, well, and tell them since you know, they're a record company and they want to make money, I buy all of the albums. I don't let the artist send it to me. So you guys, I will pay for the album because you guys are <laughs> artists and you deserve that. So I will, I will pay for it. So they know there's a check behind it too. So they can know that. <laughs> They can know there that. Too kind. <clears throat> well, guys, I am extremely excited about the new album. I hope our listeners are, too. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure talking with you guys today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It has been absolutely utter delight to, to be able to talk about this out into the world and, and excited for everyone uh, to hear what we've made. Yes, yes, for sure. Listeners, you can check out all things uh, Sleeping Wolf at sleepingwolfmusic.com or you can follow them on Instagram at sleepingwolfband. Of course, the new album Grayscale will be on all streaming services on Friday you need to check it out. It's going to be fantastic. Right now, let's hear the latest single, Happy, right here on the Doc G Show. All the things I wanted in my 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Sleeping Wolf. That was them. Right there. Boom. Ooh. Yeah. That's right, man. Did you like how I, I gave you a little bit of shout out there in the interview about your beard? I appreciate it. Well, I'll always take a good beard shout out. Well, I mean, you know, he's got something to aspire to in your beard, Dave. We all know. True. Your we day, all all your, of us your, bearded ones do. We all have a beard that we look we forward to. Lust after, yes. We, we're like, oh, that's a, that's a nice beard right there. I could be I that will, one day. I will say former guest uh, Jordan Davis. I do. I, I look up at the album on the wall mm-hmm. every now and then. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, that is a beard and a half right there. That is, Amen, brother. That is a solid beard, man, you know? But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he can get there. Jake can get there. I've got a feeling he can get there. And Sleeping Wolf can definitely get to that billion half mark that S- Steve already made with his co-writes, you know? But right. it's going to take a little bit, but they can get there. I want to thank the guys for coming on the show fantastic totally. interview good time just the best attitudes those guys wish them nothing but the luck go what? out and get grayscale it is a good album chock full of tunes i think my favorite right now i don't know i like the i like the title track grayscale's great and i also also like wasted wasted's a good jam happy's yes, good it too it's tough it's tough i don't know i don't know but moving on it is time for the newest segment. Dave, you know what it is. Hmm. Shoe and tell, baby. Shoe and tell. Yes. Part 16. Wait, 17. 17. Sorry, 17. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Uh, Dave, we're going to be pretty quick on this one. I'm not going to I'm not going to oversell this one. We don't need to talk to about it too much, but it's pretty fantastic. You want to know what I got? Let's hear it, man. I've got the Jordan 11s, Lowe's, the Barons, the Barons, released released May 27, 2017, very nice, so they're, you know, black, we got the all black Black with the sort of ash gray patent leather. Ash gray patent leather, pretty nice. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black on black type guy, so I really enjoy these. You know, uh, right now I checked it out. StockX, these are selling about three hundred a pair. Three hundred nice. pair, not not bad, not bad. Um, now obviously, these are these are no bread edition. Space Jam, Concord, those are all the elevens that people look for. Uh, we may have some of those later on in this segment. Just saying, a little teaser. Say what? Um, the Jordan 11, though, almost didn't come out. It almost didn't come out. One of the best Jordans ever almost didn't come out. Crazy. Some people, some people at Nike didn't want to waste uh, product design on a player that wasn't playing. And they were like, eh, oh no, Jordan's not playing. He's playing baseball. Really? Should we do a basketball shoe? I don't think we should. Tink wasn't having it. Tinker Hatfield was like, nah, I'm going to design the crap out of this. You don't even know what's coming, guys. This thing's going to be amazing. And Jordan came back. Shoe was ready for Jordan. Boom. Best season ever. Ever. You know, that was, of course, when Jordan wore the 11s. 72, 72 wins. 72 to 10. Yep. 
72 wins, MVP, All-Star Game MVP, Finals MVP, and champion. Jeez. Fantastic. Now, ESPN ranks the Jordan 11's most important basketball shoe of all time. That's their most important shoe. Got to be the number one silhouette ever. I I mean, you know, I I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I love the 11s. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love them. But, like, if you argued to me that you would say the 1s are more important or the 3s are more important or the 6s are more important, I could hear arguments for all, all three of yeah, those. Yeah, I, I could hear arguments, but it just... There's just something about the 11. It's I don't know if it's the patent leather. It's I think it's a combination when you talk about the Jordan 11 as far as like why it's mm. popular. You got cuz mm. like it's I mean when you think about it, when it came out in 95 it was like a like from space. Like I remember seeing it right. and I was just like, right. "What? Like a classy spaceship though." You know, because I mean, like a the patent leather, spaceship. the patent leather made right. it classy. And then it was just so cool because he did the he did the sideways lettering, you know, for mm-hmm. the jump man oh, there. Yeah. I, I love that. It, yep. it And since I was 10 when they came out, it took me like two weeks. Movie, you know, the movie yeah. puts it into a, yeah. a different thing, too. It, so. it took me like two weeks to decipher when they came out, though. I was like, what is this? Is this like Egyptian lettering? What's going on here? And then, oh man, I know, like looking at it sideways. And then somebody was like, turn it up, moron. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Clever, clever. But Jordan 11's, Lowe's, Barron's, that's this week's shoe and tell. Very nice shoe. Love it. I enjoy them. They're a good walking around shoe. I always enjoy the low tops as a walking around shoe, you know? Fun. It puts off a little style, but a little bit of comfort. Exactly. You gotta love them. Exactly. Keeps your ankles cool. We all have that problem, right? Cool ankles. I think we oh, all yeah. know Sweaty about it. Ankles. Yeah. 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 Okay. Dave, you're 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 one for two here. I think we can go two for three. I think we can go two for right. three. Actually, I know we will. I need it. Here's how confident I, I am. Ninety six percent confident wow confident nice. born on september 16th 1995 in san jose a doc g listener uh san jose Ooh. california our birthday suit where loved playing sports competed in track and field and basketball throughout most of his uh youth but really really loved basketball in his junior year, he averaged 22.9 points, 12.8 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and 2.3 blocks a game. He was named Dang. Mr. Basketball for California his junior year. One of only three people wow. to be named that as a junior. The other two being Tyson Chandler and Jason Kidd. Jeez. Um Pretty good company. Good company. Good company. He uh, announced that he was going to the University of Arizona for college. He was named the Freshman Player of the Year in the Pac-12 and was first team all Pac-12 in 2014. After his freshman year, he decided to go to the NBA. He was drafted fourth overall by the Orlando Magic. After the first, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is correct. Yeah. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, man. Uh, well, we all know the first Air Gordon. That's me. Um, but the second Air Gordon, that would be Aaron Gordon. Uh, yes. Uh, and I will say, completely, completely, utterly robbed 
of the dunk contest this year. Ah. Uh. I know. It was so good, though. It was, but so Rob. Derek Jones Jr., I love him, but yeah. he shouldn't have won that dunk contest. Nope. Shouldn't yeah, have. Yeah, we agree. I mean, just ridiculous. Now, the first one, that's debatable. I think you could say Zach Levine won that one. The, the, yep, yep, that, totally. That was close, but I think Zach Levine yeah. won it. He just, he just had more grace. He had the, from the, from the foul line dunk that was just crazy, like, but uh, yeah, this last one that was all Aaron Gordon, and he 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 got robbed. Girl, come on! I also tell you that Aaron Gordon sponsors a product called Yoked. Mm. Yoked. Yoked. Yes, which uh, some with eggs. We, we, it contains concentrated uh, concentrated version of the egg yolk, which has a uh, a component called fortitropin in it, Dave. Fortitropin. Mm. And Fortitropin uh, is a known myostatin inhibitor. Mm. So, you know, myostatin represses your muscle, uh, represses skeletal muscle building, and this Fortitropin enhances muscle building because it is a myostatin inhibitor. Mm. But it's a natural product because it's contained in egg yolk. They just got a concentrated version. Very interesting product. Aaron Dang. Gordon sponsors it. There you go. There you okay, go. Okay, so he's trying to get yoked. He, well, he is. Yes! Look at that guy. He's got he's some crazy crazy muscle, man. Crazy muscle, especially the shoulders. It's wild, his shoulders. They're, you know, right. I, I don't know if they're Dwight uh, Howard shoulders, but they're, they're wild. I wouldn't say, but they, they resemble. They're wild, man. Anyways, happy birthday to Aaron Gordon. Uh, Dave. Fantastic shows coming up. Very excited about the next show. We've got a uh, hometowner from Columbia, South Carolina. A hometowner from Columbia, South Carolina. Now they're more worldwide. He's uh, living right now in in Charleston, South Carolina. So he moved about two hours down the road. But the movement... The movement. They're often categorized as sort of reggae, but they're really more like in the sublime uh, vein of reggae, like hip-hop, reggae, ska, punk, put all together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it, man. They are fantastic. They're going to be on the show next week. I can't wait, but for now, we need to stop the show. We need to go ahead and wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc Chi. With me, as always, the one, the only, the man with the title of most listens to the Doc G Show, Dave Burles Berlin. I also just wanted to say that I drafted Minshew in my fantasy league, and the Jags are 1-0. Let's go, baby. There it is. Duval till we die. There it is. There it is. They are 1-0. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 0-1. Mm. Yes, sir. Mm. Leonard Fournette, five carries, five yards. Mm. Ronnie Harrison mm. lost with the Cleveland Browns. Oof. And Unique Ngakwe lost with the Minnesota mm. Vikings. So you, they can suck it. They they know where they should be. Duval. Duval. Yes, sir. Until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs>